And hey, Netflix, if you're listening, Ruby would make it would make a great movie. Oh my oh, gosh. I, I hope so. So it's like, yeah, that, that's like a bucket list, like dream. Like that. I, I I would freaking love that. It would be so amazing. And then like me and you could be like in the crowd as like cameos. And <laughs> that would be we, we have to like manifest that like ASAP. That needs Absolutely. to be. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome or welcome back to Try Reading with me, Gabriel Torres. You'll have to excuse my voice. I am just getting over being sick, but please don't let that take away from the amazing guest on the podcast today. It is the end of May when we are recording this and there were so many releases this month, but I'll stop talking now. Everyone just really wants to hear who the guest is and I don't blame you. Please put your hands in the air for debut author and Disney adult extraordinaire, Jessica Fada. How are you doing, Jessica? I am doing well. I'm actually going to get on a plane in a couple of hours to go to Disney World. So we could definitely like dive into all the Disney like adulting on both coasts. I got you covered. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you just came prepared, ready to leave soon. And uh, (laughs) you fit the title so well. Well, for the listeners who don't know who Jessica is, put her on your radar. As a lawyer and daughter of Guatemalan and Cuban bakers, Jessica never objects to an extra slice of cake. And I mean, if I had that kind of baking in my home, girl, I wouldn't either. So I don't blame <laughs> you. She's a Los Angeles native who loves to write about Latinas with big hair and even bigger dreams, complicated families, cats living their best lives, all nine of them, and the healing magic of acceptance. And we love to see it with more and more Latinx releases in the book world, the books and the book world, and just everything gets a little bit better every time. So I am so excited to see your stories out in the world. And um, the representation is just so important. Jessica's debut novel, Ruby Ramos's Recipe for Success, just released on May 16th, 2023, published through Wednesday Books. See what I mean about May releases? It's, I yeah. Mean, there were so many good ones. <laughs> it's crazy. I cannot wait to talk all about this book, but when you aren't drafting books, you can find Jessica sipping kombucha, which we'll have to have a whole separate podcast episode about that, cuddling with her kitties, or co-piloting the Millennium Falcon at Disneyland's Galaxy Edge, which is iconic, if I do say so myself. As a fellow Disneyland lover, I am so excited to talk with you, but also it is just such an honor to have you on the podcast, and I cannot wait to learn even more about you and your book. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I binged your entire podcast. Oh my gosh. I, your voice is so soothing, especially like since mine is the opposite of that. No. Oh my gosh. I gravitate towards yours and it's just, yeah, it's like your love for story. I love how riled up you get like during like talking about like after I'm like, oh my God, what? like there was like one episode, I forgot who was on it. And every time like they mentioned that book after it's like, you like, it's like, you are so kind. So I know that you didn't want to get into it, but I'm like, Gabe's feelings about this and I I'm here for it. So thank you for having me. I, I know we're going to have fun. Look at you. You like catch all the little details. You really are. I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, that was an interesting uh, it was all about, yeah, book adaptations. And I I don't know. I watched that movie, the after movie. I've never read the books. I don't think I, I won't. Uh, but I watched it a few years ago. And I think it even helped me. Like, it helped me more realize that I'm not straight. Um, because <laughs> <laughs> it just changed 
my view on so many things and it kind of creeped well, me out but <laughs> we're gonna have to do like just like an episode then or we could do like a mini podcast just like you and I like a mini series where we just like watch and react to it because I have read the freaking books oh and gosh first I well we won't get into that let's we can talk about Ruby because if not like yeah that's gonna have to be like a separate a separate podcast where, where we like change our names and totally no we should definitely do that well I have to ask, um, and since you do listen to the podcast, I think you know, what is your current read? Okay, well, I just finished this morning. I'm going to have it right here. Pack Your Bags, Maggie Diaz um, by the amazing Nina Moreno. Your little sister would freaking love it. I was thinking about her when I was reading it. Um, And like Nina, she writes like middle grade and YA, but like this, it's like laugh out loud funny. And it's just like about family. Like I feel like everything that I do, I'm like one step behind Nina. Um, It just it just happens to to happen like it's like every book of hers I'm like oh my god that's like what I'm doing now but you just did it better so I'm like always chasing (laughs) Nina's success and I'm I'm so here for it and I'm actually going to meet her for the first time on Saturday um, for a book event um, in Orlando so I am so excited because I've known her now for almost four years I want to say wow fine she was my first writing mentor and yeah, now I get to like actually hug her in person. So it's it's wild. So that's my recent read, Pack Your Bags, Maggie Diaz. If you love funny, contemporary, middle grade, I highly recommend it. I love that. And yeah, I saw you're going to be in Winter Park, right? For yes. the, um, I used to have family that lived in Florida and I've been to that bookstore. Um, it's very cute. Um, and that's so amazing that you're finally going to get to meet her. And that story sounds like so much fun. It's really fun. I I love it. So this one is like, yeah, Maggie is like very chaotic. Um, and we don't really get a lot of stories of like seventh grade, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so it's just, it's fun, chaotic, but it's like a lot of heart and um, it centers family, which is my brand, I think. Yeah. In the books and the stories that I write. <laughs> right. Well, that sounds amazing. Um, I just started an arc that was sent to me. I was really fortunate to receive it. An arc of All the Fighting Parts by Hannah V. Sawyer, um, Abrams Amulet. That publisher sent an arc to me, and I I was really excited to read the book. It's a Me Too novel written in verse, and it's told through uh, poetry, court transcripts, text messages, police reports, all of that. Um, and it is really beautifully written so far. Hannah's voice is just so strong. Uh, I just, it's such an important story. And yeah, so I'm really honored to be reading it before it releases. I can't wait to read that. She's a Pitch Wars um, buddy of mine. So we were in the same Pitch Wars class. Like our our Pitch Wars class, there was something in the water, I feel like. Like like a lot of their books are coming out and it's just so awesome to see the covers and see like, you know, it's like now like my bookshelves are just like starting to pile up with like everyone, you know, with everyone's books and it's awesome. I haven't read it yet. I want to. So I, that's, that's great. I'm going to put it on my TBR. I love that though. That must be just like such a good feeling seeing all of those and yeah. Well, yeah, so it is definitely a book to stay tuned for for the listeners and um, also stay tuned for Hannah on the podcast uh, after this one. So um, yeah, I'm very excited. But I have just a few shout outs that I have to uh, mention. One is Forever Publishing sent me a final copy of All the Right Notes by Dominic Lim. And it is a second chance romance, uh, MLM second chance romance set in New York City with a musician and an actor. And it's told through like 
then and now perspectives throughout the chapters, and I am very excited to re read it. It releases on June 6th, so while we're recording this, it won't have released yet, but very soon, and it just sounds like just really fun, really heartfelt, and um, just there's a lot of stories this year, I feel like, that are very unapologetically themselves, whether it's the characters, the stories, the author, um, including your book, and so it's um, it's so wonderful to see. So that comes out on June 6th. And Kay Sterling, who is an indie published author um, who has written tons and tons of books, uh, has a newer series called The Nannies of New York. And she just sent me uh, the third book in the series. And I don't know, the series is continuing, so I don't know how many there will be. But right now there's three that have released. And the book that I was sent was The Handy Nanny. And it is, the series can be read as a standalone or, um, you know, uh, together just consecutively but they're the best stories of like love and connection and um who doesn't love a romance in New York City I mean that's like yeah, um nice. but also it's they're just so fun so um for anyone interested I've probably mentioned these books two or three times on the podcast before but you should definitely check Kay and her books out I have a very um new announcement that was put in last minute, uh, but I will be moderating a panel at QPOC Fest, which is a queer POC festival that's all virtual happening on June 24th. It's started by Johnny Garcevilla, Emery Lee, and Sonora Reyes, and it is a festival celebrating queer, trans, Black, person of color, all different stories, whether it's the authors, the characters, and it's going to be a full day of like panels, but it's all virtual. So uh, wherever you live, you can attend. And so you can learn more at qpocfest.com. And I highly suggest checking it out. It was such an honor to be offered the spot to moderate a panel. And I am really, really excited. I love that. Congrats. That's so thank amazing. you. I just met Sonora last week. Last oh, yeah. Day. Um, and they are awesome. So yeah, getting to hug all these internet friends, you know, in real life is is so surreal. It is. Yeah, I know. Y'all West was like definitely my favorite place to do that because it was like everybody was there and um, and you could hug so many people at once. But it is it's like the best feeling and you don't realize it until it actually happens. Yeah. Well, um, finally, it's hard to get into the questions for you. Have you always loved books and reading? I have. I've always really been like obsessed with story. And um, in doing all of these, like, you know, getting to talk to people, I realized that I think it started with film first is like, you know, I, as like in a Disney adult, like I grew up like watching, you know, stuff during the Disney Renaissance. And I also just have always been a reader. I grew up in LA County, but I went to school in OC and the traffic sucks for the people that, that don't know. So it it would often be like an hour commute. And so like, you know, I'm of a certain age where like before like Instagram and TikTok and all of these things like happened. So I would just like be reading for like an hour going to school and an hour, you know, coming home. And so I have just always loved books. I love that. And yeah, commutes, I, uh, for my first year of high school, I had to either take a train or it was driving. It depended on the day and what worked. And it was an hour there and an hour back, very similar. 
And yeah, reading was like, it's, it's so fun also, like when you're going somewhere, but you have that ability to just kind of read. Yes. And, um, but I love that it was with you ever since you were younger and that it stuck with you. It did, but I never thought I could be a writer. You know, it was like, one yeah. of those, it's like books, just like in my mind, like, uh, like authors say this all the time, like where they just thought, oh, they just appear, you know, I, and I think being from Los Angeles, it's, we are just around movies. So it's like, I knew how movies were made. And I actually started writing with screenplays because I didn't even think that books were like a possibility until like around like 2019 when you know there was like more of an explosion of latinx um books being on shelves and and then that's when you know going back to nina moreno i heard her on ride or die podcast um i, I don't know if you have like heard that it was rip because it's like no longer in existence but it, it was with claire Burrell. Clarabelle Ortega and Kat Cho, and they would just have on BIPOC authors and marginalized authors. And I heard Nina before her book even came out. And I was like, oh, wow. Like we're both Cuban American. We're both Disney adults. We were like both obsessed with Dawson's Creek and we're team Pacey. I'm like, if she's doing it, like I can. And then that was like the moment where I'm like, okay, I'm going to take like my hobby of writing and like that switched into pursuing publication. And then it was like no turning back. Wow. And look at you now working on book two, having published a book and the fact that, you know, and I was so fortunate to see you in person at one of your launch events. And um, you had talked about how, yeah, like you said, you started with screenplays, but really like Ruby's story was like, that was it. It was like, you wrote that and it became, so it's just really, really cool to see that um, you would have never thought of it, but then it like became this whole new world for you. Yes. It's, it's still wild. Like I still can't believe it. Like, yeah. Like seeing like behind you, like my books and even when I see them like in stores or, you know, my friends text me pictures. I'm like, it's like, I, it's, I, I'm still processing it. It's still very fresh. It's still wild, but it's like, no, yeah, it's, yeah, it's wild. Like I've had neighbors come over and be like, can you sign my book? And it's just like, wow, like this is wild. I can't believe it, but I'm here. I, I can only imagine and, you know, you had talked about how, yeah, you had never really expected to write and you would have never imagined. And since being a lawyer is obviously much different than publishing books and uh, what led you specifically to wanting to be a writer? Okay. Well, first, since I am a lawyer, I'm going to have to object to that, to that assumption of yours, because I, I actually think that there isn't that much difference between writing and being a lawyer. And that like, it's like, there's a lot of lawyers who are writers or like writers now that used to be like lawyers, you know, like in, in, in a previous life, like I think Michael Crichton was one, Kristen Hanna was one. There's, if you like Google it, there's a ton, there's a lot of us. And I think the reason why is because as a lawyer, you have to research and it's, you're telling a story. And not only are you telling a story, but you have to convince an audience that your story, like you have to present your story and you have to like convince them to believe in it. And so I think that's why when I did decide to make that switch, it, I mean, I, cause I was writing screenplays for like 10 years, but I think it was like a very seamless transition from like being a lawyer into writing because I had a lot of those skills already in the toolbox. Like writing under tight deadlines, like researching tons and yeah, that power of persuasion that then I, I hope I brought into like my stories. So, so I, I, I think that a lot of the things on the surface level are actually, um, they look different, but they're really not. And, and yeah, because even as a lawyer, like my, my mindset, cause I, and I did trial law, 
um, it was like, I'm telling a story. And so I think because I've always been a storyteller, that's why I was even drawn in a way to that type of law specifically, because I got to like go up there and ham it up in front of a jury and like tell them something, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I think, I think that's, but, but on the flip side, there is like a lot of differences because with like being a lawyer, it's like people could Google it and like find out like how to become a lawyer, what like, you know, there's lawyers everywhere. I think there's maybe even too much lawyers in the world, like one could argue. But as far as publishing, and especially if you're from like a marginalized like group, I think there's still like a lack of transparency. And I think that's what's different, um, where it's like, I'm learning as I enter into like each step. And so that's something that's like odd to me, because usually I'm like all about like knowing everything, getting all the information up front, and then you know, hitting the ground running, whereas with publishing, it's not like that. So it's like, I feel like, because every house does something different, you know, they operate differently. So it's like, I feel like when I get to like the next step in whatever I'm doing, then it's like, I learn stuff, which sometimes we could get into this like later, sometimes isn't always like ideal, especially for someone like me. Um, but yeah, so there are differences and, and similarities, but I think that being a lawyer helped me become a writer. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, and yeah, the points you made, it makes so much sense. Yeah, just like like you said, yeah, the research and telling your story and convincing people that your story is important. And um, yeah, well, it's such a, it is a big switch still. And, yes. and like you said, you know, there are parts that are different, but like the, there are so many similarities that I didn't even think of. Yeah. Well, speaking of storytelling, your debut novel, as I said, just recently released on May 16th, and it follows Ruby Ramos, whose graduation is only a few months away, and her recipe for success to get into prestigious Alma University is already off track. When Alma waitlists Ruby's application, Ruby will need to be distraction-free to make the grade and keep her parents, who have wanted this for her for years, from finding out, which means falling for her cute surfer-slash-math tutor, Ryan, definitely won't work, and neither will breaking her mother's ban on baking. Her parents didn't leave Cuba so she could bake just like them, but some recipes are begging to be tempered with. When the first annual Bake Off comes to town, Ruby's passion for baking goes from subtle simmer to full boil. And to add to the mix, her crush on Ryan may be turning into a full-fledged relationship, and Ruby's life is suddenly so different from what it was. She's not sure if she has what it takes to win the Bake Off or where the relationship with Ryan is going, but there's only one way to find out, even if it means going against her parents' priorities. Now Ruby must differentiate between the responsibility of unfulfilled dreams she holds and finding the path she is meant for. This is a joyful novel full of first romance, new possibilities, and the chance to define yourself. Ruby Ramos's recipe for success will for sure find its way into your heart. And it did in mine. And I am so glad I received an ARC. It was such an honor. And I love this book really more than words can describe. It was so meaningful to see such amazing representation, to see, you know, my culture represented, to see just the authenticity of it and the unapologetically just you in it. And um, I, I just, I loved it. I, it was so tasty. It was so gorgeous. The cover is stunning and I'm just so happy it's out in the world. 
And the Disney, Star Wars, Spider-Man, all those references were amazing. And I was beyond shocked and honored when a final copy showed up at my door just to add to my collection. And it just, it was all so amazing. But enough of my blabbing. My question is, what was the inspiration for this novel? Oh my God. Well, first of all, thank you. I am so glad you don't have to tell me too, if you made any of the recipes in the back, we, we could get into that. <laughs> but, and if you do, I want to see pictures because I know that you're a great baker. Oh, thank but, you. Um, <laughs> the, the inspiration is like, I lived a lot of Ruby's life, you know, it's like, I am a first gen like Ruby as well. And my parents, you know, sometimes like explicitly and, and just sometimes not would, were very clear about, you know, what they had given up to come here and, you know, working here and, and doing in, and trying to, you know, make the American dream like happen for themselves and give me and my sister like a better life. So I, I, I felt like I had to honor that. And so I did, you know, end up going to like law school and becoming a lawyer. And so that, that was one of the inspirations. Another is too, I just like love the great British Bake Off so much. I binged like, I consider that research to be honest. Like, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. And it just makes you feel so happy and just like warm. And I freaking love it. And my, my dad, he did own a bakery. My sister runs it now. So it's like baking has always been in my life. And so I just thought, okay, like I could write about something. And even though I'm not a baker, I could, I think I can write like very convincingly that, that maybe I, I was. And so I really just use like baking, like as a metaphor though, for like anything, like, you know, any passion that people feel like they can't pursue because of X, Y, and Z, whether that be like societal pressures or, you know, familial like expectations. And so then I just like use that as a metaphor. And because of that, baking, you know, in the background, like family stuff. I'm like, okay, I could write about this. And so I just like went for it. I love that. I mean, you convinced me at first. I thought you were totally a baker. <laughs> and then you told me and but still and I love the parallel of like, you know, you always having this family bakery and um it's still being there and thriving. And then, you know, Ruby's family having this bakery and um just you, even though you don't bake, it's like, you know, the vibe and the feeling inside the bakery and how, you know, to navigate inside the bakery and just move around and what it, it feels like to be in the back and, um, and just having a family owned business. And it's, you know, these little details that make up this beautiful story. So thank you. No. Yeah. It's like, I remember when I was little and I would go and visit my dad, it's like, to me, it was like the sorcerer's workshop, you know, being like in the bakery. So like, and a lot of people just think like, oh, baking is like easy. And it's like, no, it's like really hard work. And so that was one of the things that was really important for me to like show that, you know, like baking is work. And so that's why like, you know, Ruby, like spoiler, spoiler alert, um, why, one of the reasons why Ruby's parents don't want her to do that, because it's like very difficult. It's, it's ruling. And so I wanted to show that because in a lot of the baking stuff that like I've seen, it's, it's like cutesy and people assume it's cutesy, you know, like when, when my sister now tells people that she owns a bakery, the, like one of the, like one of those common responses is like, oh, you get to bake cookies. And it's like, no, no, um, no. Like, I get to pass out by the end of the day because of how much I've worked. Exactly. And it's like being back in the bakery. It's like, when you come down, it's like, I'll, I'll take you. It's, it's like a hundred degrees back there. You can't, you know, run the, the AC because that affects fermentation. 
So it's, and especially being in like SoCal, it's, it's hard and it's, yeah. So that was one of the things that was really important to me is to show, no, this isn't about like baking, like cookies, like miss. Yeah. So it's, it's a business and it's grueling work. And, and, and actually like to bring some of my luring back in some of the first labor laws like in the U S that were like ever created were because of baking of how hard it is. So um, like the, the amount of work that you could do in a day, like the hours and stuff like that, that had to do because of baking. Wow. So it's, yeah. So some little, some little tidbits out there. Baking is yeah. hard. Oh yeah. No, it's not just, you know, a picnic and yeah. <laughs> and especially when you're not baking for yourself, but you're baking for customers and it's a business, you know, it's a business. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you can sort of say how long did it take you to write the first draft knowing that again, this was a, the first thing you wrote as a book and that's what it became. It it was wild because I think with a lot of writers too, and you know, this, this ties in a little bit to like what I mentioned earlier about how it was, I, I really made that shift in writing to like pursuing publication. When I saw um, Nina's book, don't date Rosa Santos. And so I think it took me like two, cause you know, it's like, I, 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 it, this is like wild to say, but I think in the back of my head, I didn't believe that it could ever go anywhere, you know, and maybe that's from like the lack of representation that I saw, or just like me not knowing any writers and like not really at that point being involved in the writing community to know how the business works. Um, that the, like the first half of it, I wrote, it, it probably took me months, like maybe like a year, I think I would just, but on and off, like, right. I would write like on the weekends or like an hour here. I didn't take it seriously. And then when I did start listening to podcasts about like the, I think I, I discovered, um, pub, pub crawl, I think, and, and maybe shipping and handling like more of the business side of writing, things I was like okay like I'm gonna get serious and so I joined Skibwe um and I went to a conference and that's where I met like my agent and I read one of the chapters in that and that chapter is like the only chapter that pretty much remained like unchanged from first draft to being on bookshelves and so when she she like read it she's like this is good she's like I I want like this book send me this book and I'm like I haven't finished it like I, I only have half of the book and she's like send it to me like now like I could sell this now and wow. so once I was like okay I could actually go somewhere with this like I could make something happen I think I finished the the second part of the book in like five weeks and then like did like a quick revision in like a month and then so so I think I if I like tally it from like actual like cutting out like all like the breaks and all of that. I think I probably wrote it in maybe like four or five months, the, the very first draft. But then it, when I finished um, revising it, like it like uh, synchronized with Las Musas mentorship, like the first class of mentorship. So I was like, let me just see, you know, let me like enter it. And I knew in my gut, it was like, not, not good. And I needed all the help that I could get. And so Nina picked me, you know, to, to be her mentee. And so we did like another round of, rev of revision for probably like three months. And then I, and she told me a lot of things that like, and, and I think you knew about this because it's like, we talked about like what changed. Um, she told me a lot of things that I was just like, as a newbie writer was not ready to do craft wise. Like one of the things she wanted me to do was have all of the baking challenges be live. 
And they weren't in my book because I was like, oh, how am I going to juggle, you know, like doing 20 contestants in like a tent and having yeah. all this. I did not feel like, you know, confident in my skills as a writer to do that. And I didn't know how to do that. And she, uh, so she told me to do that. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And so I tried doing like another revision and I still needed help. And so when I finished that revision, it lined up again with like pitch wars. And I'm like, let me just see and like, see if I get in, if I, if I get in and I got in and my mentor there, she's like, you need to make these challenges live. And so then at that point I was like, okay, I think I could, I'm ready to do that now, you know, skill wise and just emotionally ready to roll up like the sleeves and get back in there. And so I did it. I think we revived pitch wars was like three months. And so at the showcase, um, I got like you know, a good reception. And I think I was like agented by the end of that month. And then when we went out on submission, Ruby sold in less than a month, like we ended up going to auction. So I had like my first offer, I think like in three weeks. And so it happened like really, really fast. Um, yeah. I was like actually ready to do like the work. That's, I mean, well, first of all, like, you know, the let's see, let's try this turned into what you have now. And but also just like the fact that it sold so fast and like, or, you know, I got picked up and um, that's it's amazing. I'm so it's so wonderful to hear, you know, more of the story behind it. And um, wow, what like what a process too, though. It was journey. Like two, it took two mentorships, you know, to do. And I, so it's like, I think I revised, um, like, cause it's like, I did Las Musas and then right into like pitch wars, like a couple of months, like after. So I think it was like about a year of revision. And I think that's why it ended up, you know, selling relatively quickly because it was very polished at that point, like super polished, which is great. But now, you know, doing book two, it's like, it, it, and we could talk about that later if you want, where it's like, now I have like fears. Cause I'm like, Oh my God, was, was Ruby only good? Because I had like, you know, there's a village of people helping me write it. And then with book two, it was like, okay, you're off to the races now. And like, you have to do it like all over again. So it's been, it's been quite a journey. Um, and again, it happened relatively quickly, but then you have to keep in mind, I, you know, was like writing screenplays and like practicing too for like 10 years before that. And then, so when this happened, I think I was like ready for it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's just like, what a, what a journey. Yeah. And also, but, you know, obviously, yes, you had these mentors and you had this community, but, you know, it's your story. It came from your heart and, you know, so, um, I'm so excited for book two and yeah, I just, yeah, but, um, yeah. And Hey, Netflix, if you're listening, Ruby would make, it would make a great right? movie. Oh my oh, gosh. I, I hope so. So it's like, yeah, that, that's like a bucket list, like dream. Like that. I, I, I would freaking love that. It would be so amazing. And then like me and you could be like in the crowd as like cameos and <laughs> That would be, we have to like manifest that like ASAP. That needs Absolutely. to Absolutely. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Well, speaking of this gorgeous book and uh, the cover is stunning. And did you have any say in what it would look like? Yes. Okay. So I, I think you could tell now it's like, I am very type A and very analytical and all of these things. So I, one of the things that I like to do and I, and I did it again, and I'll actually show you like after we finish like recording, um, 
I always do character sketches. So it's like, I always reward myself by like commissioning like an artist to do like character sketches. So it's like in my, so yes, it's like to answer your question, like short, like I had, I sent over like Pinterest boards of like who I wanted a playlist to like capture vibes, colors, you know, for like the, the cover. And then I had the character sketches that an amazing Latinx artist, Karina um, Guerra did for me of Ruby and Ryan. So I sent like a, a little dossier basically of things that I wanted. And, and it was like very important for me to have, you know, like a dark skin, curly haired Latina on the cover. I wanted some like SoCal vibes because, you know, it's like when people think of like Cuban Americans, they automatically think Miami. And it's like, they forget that there is like a, like, you know, a population out here too. So I'm like, give me SoCal, give me big hair, brown skin. And, um, for the next one, I'm going to straight up send like Fenty, you know, swatches of like shades. And, and yeah, so it's like, I, I did because it was like really important for me to get like the, the cover, you know, right. And it it's, I, yeah, I freaking love it. I don't think Petra, Petra Braun is the illustrator on, on this. It's, it's gorgeous. And then Olga and Devin at Wednesday, it's like they designed the book. And then if you open, I, I you've seen it, if you take off the cover, we have like Ruby's gold whisk, you know, embossed in the middle of the cover. It's just gorgeous. It's like a gorgeously constructed book. And I, I feel so fortunate to have it. It's yeah, it's stunning. I, I, and like you said, it is so important for readers, for the author to just have the character and, you know, have this representation on the cover of a dark skinned character of a curly haired character of just like, this is this story and you know and especially also like with her name on the cover and her it's just like yes. just fully amazing and yeah and we yeah, got an oh sorry to no, no, you go off, no 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 go ahead that, like you know that's like one of the things too it's like it was really important for me to have like that name on the cover and for a book too that was like another thing that we, we could talk about it because there was a spanish word in it and i was like i was like oh my god like i am like you know, a little bit of break because I'm like, are people going to know, like, you know what this means, this word, but then it's like, no, I, they could Google it then. It's like important for me to, to have that on the cover and to have, you know, a, a Latin X name on the cover. So it was because it's like, there, there were some iterations of names, you know, we, that was like one of the things that like, if you want to talk about of like the, the, <laughs> the alternative you know titles for ruby but i'm just like so happy with with what it is it is a mouthful but i i'm glad i love it no it's oh amazing God. and it's it's so fun and it stands out and it's bold and yeah no i love it and i mean this cover is stunning but i do have to say angela montoya and melanie schubert's cosplay <laughs> was it's a close tie jessica <laughs> i was like can i get that for the paperback release because it's like there's it's so, and it's like, okay, I didn't know that they were going to do that. So it's like when they surprised me on Zoom, like I just could not stop laughing. And then, okay, so for, for people who are just like watching at home, it's like Ryan, who is the love interest, he's, you know, behind the a pink surfboard and he's like looking like sheepishly at Ruby. And so Melanie embodied, which, which has turned into a whole thing online, which we could get into. But so it's like Melanie like ordered like a cheap, um, like torso shirt. And so it, it had like the biggest nipples and I'm like, oh, I love like huge nipples. So it's like, I'm not trying to like shame anyone, but it's like, it was too big for her. So the nipple was like in her armpit and it was just like, 
chaos and then like the way she like okay because ryan he has uh he's gin you know he's a ginger he has orange hair and so she got like an orange wig and i'm like at first i'm like wait are you trying to be chucky or like a ryan so it's like turned into like a whole thing where it's like i told her i'm like on my deathbed it's like i'm gonna see like i'm gonna like get flashes of you (laughs) with the pepperoni nipple shirt in your armpit and like the chucky wig so it I love them so much and I yeah it's it's been like a highlight of like debut year for sure oh my gosh when I saw that episode I was hysterical and then the photo they posted it oh my god it was hilarious and yeah now now we've got the you've got the Chucky Chia pet (laughs) (laughs) mine just arrived today so it's like I am so competitive so I her and um Angela always do draft race so I'm like no it's like me and you we're gonna do like the Chia championship so it's like we're gonna see who gets to grow this Chucky wig like bigger better scarier absolutely and I cannot wait to see yeah who wins oh my gosh well I had to share that because I was like that that, it should be the paperback cover or the movie poster I mean and then for people who haven't seen what Angela's doing with her cover it's like she had she had a friend what's it called photoshop like her face on like her main character's like cover and so that's like my contact photo of her like in my cell phone and I'm like I like this version better because it's so like the face Angela's making and so she's yeah it's incredible so it's it's just awesome just to have fun with it because it's like I think that is like one of the things I want like you know aspiring readers to know is like this can be serious it could be like boring sometimes just being behind a desk and a computer for like hours but it doesn't need to be and it's like just you know have fun with it and that's something that I'm like constantly reminding myself so I'm so grateful that I have like friends that you know could have fun with me and yeah I love it. Well you just kind of led me right into my next question really perfectly which is um, what has it been like having your book released and, um, yeah. It's well, okay. I'm, do you want the, the, <laughs> I will the take answer? any answer. Okay. Well, part of it has been like amazing. You know, it's like, I, I finally got that first email from like a reader saying like a, someone I don't know, you know, saying how much like Ruby helped them. And that, that was incredible. And then of course, like I, I, of course, because it's me. And even though I'm like a lawyer and very analytical, it's like, I'm also just like completely unhinged. And so I got like a message saying like, I ditched work to like read the book. And so I was like, I freaking love that. You know, it's like, I am encouraging truancy. So that, that, that was like a personal like highlight for me. So it's like all, and then meeting people, you know, it's like, I I got to meet like friends that I I have like known either through debut group or even through Las Musas, like mentorship, like Sonora Reyes, me and her, uh, me and them were like in the first class of Las Musas mentorship. And so their book, you know, like they de- uh, debuted last year and their sophomore one just came out last week, I think. Yeah. And so meeting them was freaking amazing. And then meeting James Ramos, it, so meeting all these people and then when you're in a room it's like you start talking and then you get to have like these longer conversations and getting to know them in a whole different way and and that's awesome so connecting with other writers connecting with readers has been great but then on the flip side it's like it's a business you know and so that does not stop um so I've had to be like working on book two I just turned in like an hour before you know we hopped on this call uh, line edits for book two so it's like I've had to just work throughout it so I 
you know, I haven't been able to just sit and relax and like savor those awesome moments as much as I've wanted to, because it's like this machine does not stop, um, which I'm that I'm going to take into consideration next time. And I'm, you know, Johnny Garzavia, he, or they, I mean, um, like only does book by book contracts. And so that's something I'm like, okay, I think that might work. I want to try that next time because working under deadline sometimes, um, is fine, you know, but like coming out of a freaking pandemic, coming out of like life, you know, it's like hit me like back to back for the last two years. I'm like, I, I need to take a break. So, and I am like, I'm going to be traveling like a lot next year. I have so many awesome trips planned. And so I told like my editor and my agent, I'm like, you guys aren't going to get the option book until like at the earliest, probably winter of 2024 or honestly, probably 2025. So yeah, they're, they're, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Cause I just want to like start dating again. Like, <laughs> you know, I want to get out there and have like fun again. So yeah, of we'll course. And really celebrate your achievements. And yes. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. And, um, but yes, you, yeah. And you deserve that chance to just be like, I'm going to, step away and I'm going to look at everything that I've done thus far. And yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you hope readers will take away from reading Ruby's story? I love that question. Uh, my, I hope that they take away and, you know, since Ruby is like filled with baking puns and uh, all these like baking, like innuendos, I really hope that readers take away that there is like no expiration date on creating like new life recipes um, you know, I was very intentional on like not only giving Ruby an arc where she, you know, changes the recipe to her life, but her parents too, you know? So I, I think there are a lot of people, you know, are maybe intimidated that they think they're too old or too young or to insert whatever to do something or to do something new. And that's not true. So I hope that readers take that away. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, it's, it really was such a special story and, um, I'm so happy that everyone can read it now. And, um, I wanted to share, so there was a scene, it's very minimal, but, uh, Ruby is wearing a Spider-Man tank top. Um, and for the readers, you know, they'll know that scene. Um, but it made me think of, I had seen this TikTok video from a content creator, um, whose username is Straw Hat Goofy. He does like a lot of movie reviews and um, all within the movie world. So obviously not book related, but he was talking specifically about Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And, you know, Ruby was wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. So I just sort of made this connection with what he was talking about. And he was basically saying Miles's story in Into the Spider-Verse is, yes, it's a coming of age and all these Spider-Man movies are very coming of age, but... Uh, Miles' story specifically in Into the Spider-Verse is like a coming into something. And uh, he's has this legacy that he's coming into. And I feel that so much with Ruby's story because she has this legacy in this life that her parents want her to lead and are like, this is what, like you said, what we've sacrificed for you, right? And you're not just going to throw it all away to bake like we are, right? Exactly. And... But she 
it is a story of coming of age, but it's also coming into her own beautiful and perfect legacy that she needs to create for herself and not let anyone else tell her what to do. And so I just really made that connection and then thought like, you know, it's, it even expands more on how important the story is. And I just, yeah, I really love the story so much. No, thank you so much. Yeah. And that was like really important because it's like, and again, it's like, I feel with like a lot of the stuff, you know, Western media, it's like when there is that choice, you know, between doing something, you know, following your quote unquote passion or, you know, honoring legacy. I feel that in Western media, like the legacy sometimes gets like swept under the rug for like the individualism and like the, the new thing. And I think both are important. So it's like, this was like very much, you know, like, uh, an exploration of like, is there a way that like Ruby could do both, you know, and maybe not do them both like 50, 50, you know, it's like, she still wants to put like her fat passions, like, for, like forefront, but it is important to like honor that legacy, I think as well. And so I, I wanted to be able to give teens like that option of like, you know, you could do both and just do it in your way. Yeah. And go ahead and lie to everyone about no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. The lies that I told and I, you know, about the, the huge lie that I told. Um, yeah. What, which my sister, she didn't even know, like on the drive home from San Diego, she's like, wait, we need to talk. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so for, for listeners out there, um, yeah, like I lied about graduating college when I did in order to, yeah. So uh, we could get into that. DM me. I'll, I'll tell you the story. <laughs> well what would be your advice for aspiring writers and um yeah who want to tell a story I okay there I have so much advice but I'll I'll keep it simple I think on a craft level just read a ton like and read outside of your genre it's like I that was like something that I'm I'm always constantly doing because it's like I, I feel that like each genre or each age category does something you know, better than the other. So whether it's like pacing or whether it's the, um, the metaphors or just like using like setting as like a character, I think you could learn something from every genre and you could even learn a lot of stuff from quote unquote bad books. Uh, we won't get into like, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about, Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, what books and media I'm talking about. So yeah. So I think read everything and then just write, you don't have to write every day. I don't, um, one of the things that I do is I do keep count of um, what I do every day or when I write. So for example, like I, I have a little, um, a little notebook. And then if I'm drafting, for example, I'll take account of like the word count for the day. And if I'm revising, I'll, I'll do like the page count for the day. And then you will see then if you just flip back, how little chunks eventually add up. So then that for me is always like encouraging. Um, another thing that I would say is just like foster the writing, like your sense of community, meet other writers, meet other readers and just live life because you can't tell like a story if you're not living your life. I don't, I don't think, I think you need to have, go make mistakes, go get like things that you could regret. And then you could, you know, work out that trauma later through story. Yeah, that is so wonderfully said. I, I think What's so cool about doing this podcast and getting to talk with authors like you and just really inspiring people is you, I feel like 
before I started this podcast, I would imagine like I could have told myself, oh, well, everyone's going to say the same thing for their advice, right? Every day, do this and that. But no, like everyone has their very distinct advice that they give. And I really love that because there's endless advice. Um, and this goes for readers, content creators, authors, publishers, you know, editors. They'll have something that specifically relates to their story or specifically specifically relates to what they want to share. And so I really love just hearing it each yes. and every time. And it's just so wonderful. So thank you so much for sharing that. And um, I just, yeah, I loved hearing that. And all of your stories are so wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. And then another thing too, is like, don't uh, sometimes be open to like having things change. So, so what works for you on one book or one project might not work you know, for the second one. So then just have grace for yourself and remain open because sometimes things change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you have, and this may be a difficult question, maybe not. I know for some people it is. Do you have a favorite character in Ruby Ramos's recipe for success? Oh, that is so hard because I feel like all of them are like my babies. And and I don't want to be basic and say Ruby, but she would probably be my favorite. But, and in this, like I've mentioned to you before, I think if I had to pick another one, it would probably be Devin because, you know, for people who haven't read Ruby yet, her best friend. And I think writing that, and I didn't even realize until like now and having to like, you know, like answer this question and talk to people about the different characters. I think Devin for me was like ultimate wish fulfillment. Like, you know, her parents are very supportive in a way that Ruby's aren't. And she comes into her own, you know, really, really young and is like living her best life already, like in high school, which, you know, if only we could be so lucky. So I think writing her, it was just like someone that like, it was just a wish moment. She was like so free and so open and just like, you know, had it so together. And so I really enjoyed writing someone like that. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's iconic. We, um, yeah, everyone needs like a Devin in their life for sure. And yeah, so what, she's such a fun character. Thank you. Can you share a little bit or anything about book two or yeah, I'm gonna share everything now that <laughs> so yeah if I get in trouble it, it it doesn't matter so book two and this is the first time I'm saying the tight the tentative title right now I like not even Angela and, Mon and uh, Melanie know so it is titled right now the keen sip project and so it may or may not be my version of JLo's The Wedding Planner, but my main character is planning quinceañeras. And so th that's the outer plot. She lands um, the quinceañera of a Disney teen, a, a Disney food blogger. So it's like, I'm like, and this is when I go hard into my love of like Star Wars and Disney. And so she is planning for her a Star Wars themed uh, quinceañera at Disneyland. And so even though that, that there's like a lot of shenanigans that ensue, because it's like one of the things I wanted to do is like, I'm like, no, like the love interest in like the wedding planner, like Matthew McConaughey, he was like a cheater. Like I was not down for that. So like, how do we rectify that? So, so I, I hope that I did that in like mine. Um, but really it's like a story of like two sisters and healing and like finding like love after loss. So, um, yeah, it's like my comps when I like pitched it to like my publisher were, um, a YA Latinx wedding planner meets like the sibling and grief dynamics of Pixar's Onward. 
So we have like a very type A main character who is like all about making plans, you know, so like nothing ever goes wrong in her life. And she's like very type A and then her chaotic older sister. And oh my God, it's like, if you love Devin, I think you're going to love um, the older sister. Her name is Poe, the main character. Her name is, is Kaz. Um, and so Poe, she like talks in these things called like Poisms, where it's just like she talks in quotes, but she gets them wrong all the time. <laughs> and yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited about that. And yeah, it's like it, uh, so many of the scenes are in Disneyland. So I'm like, can I like get a tax write off in some way? Like, I'm going to have to figure that out. Um, right. I have to oh, go to Disneyland every time. And it's, it's a write off. Yeah. It, it's work to like go and like research walking around galaxy's edge and, and, you know, for like the setting. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It times. is. I mean, people travel, right. They go to different countries to research. So Disneyland, that should be, you should be able to write that off. Yeah, I'll, I'll read you if you want. I think I have it here, the, the short pitch, if I have it handy. Absolutely. A YA wedding planner meets the sibling and grief dynamics of Pixar's Onward in this hum humorous and heartfelt story following a Latin teen who unexpectedly finds love and herself after loss. For Student Body Association event chair Castillo Torres, oh, so shout out, you guys have the same last name, her mother's passing was not part of the plan. Neither was the mishap at her sister's quinceañera shortly after. So when local lifestyle guru slash party planner extraordinaire Mandy Whitmore opens up applications for the fairy godmother's internship, Paz sees this as the perfect opportunity to learn all the tricks in the trade so things never go wrong again. So when she books the quinceañera for a teen Disney food blogger, Kaz's plan sprouts fairy wings. But when she discovers her crush is the Chambelan and the party girl and Kaz's sister begin developing feelings for each other, everything on her agenda starts to go off script. Soon Kaz starts to learn that happily ever, ever afters can exist, but only if she's willing to step off the perfectly planned path and take a detour into love and uncharted possibilities. Will Kaz cast off the fairy godmother's robes and go from planner to participate in her own life? Or would this would-be princess turn into a pumpkin at the end of the ball? So that's, that's oh a, my gosh! Wait, yeah, I and yeah, I'm so excited because I go hard into like I, I think I wanted to flex more on my comedy um, muscle and just I like lean into like my uh, Disney adults and Star Wars like fandom. So yeah, I hopefully yeah, fingers crossed. Like my editor like accepts like this latest draft and then it will be on shelves like mm -hmm. next summer. My gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, clearly I am, you know, the missing brother that family never knew they had. I know. <laughs> that, oh my gosh, there's so much in that, that like, I'm just so excited. Oh my gosh. Well, thank yeah, you. So you're, you're the first one that I've told the, I'm so honored. Outside of like my, my friends. And then like, after when we start, when we stop recording, I'll show you like, I don't have a cover yet. I, I think I'm going to get one in a couple months, but I'm going to pull up, um, the little character sketch that like I did get commissioned, which I sent in like my dossier of like materials. Cause I went even harder in this with what I send. Oh my gosh. I, since there was like four, I mean, there was like four main characters, I guess, you know, it's still a, a single point of view, yes. but it's like, I had to do that work for like uh, four characters. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It, it was a lot, but um, hopefully it pays off. Well, uh, like I mentioned when I was introducing you, you know, you'll be, you can find 
Jessica sipping kombucha. And uh, I have to ask, do you have a favorite kombucha flavor or brand? I mean, it's such a Cali thing. So oh, such a Cali thing. Yeah. I, when I go other places, I'm like, why is there not kombucha here? And right. Like, God, it's so Cali thing. Okay. GT's is like my favorite. So like GT's is like the, my, the favorite brand. Sometimes I'll find like some, okay, like other ones that are like, you know, like a hard kombucha that are good too. Okay. But uh, even though like I hate to be basic, I think the gingerade is just like, you know, the classic gingerade is my favorite, but I do mix it up. And like when I want to feel like I'm celebrating something or I, I need that extra pick me up, guava goddess. We do you have, have one? both of those in our fridge <laughs> right now. <laughs> I love that. So it's like, yeah, those are like my go-tos. So good. The guava is like, yeah. And the gingerade, yeah, it's just like classic, but so good. And it's so good. All I want yeah. in life is to have like enough money to be able to afford like at least like one kombucha a day. Like I have to have one a day. And sometimes like I'll just buy, you know how like they have that huge bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I'm freaking like, I'm like, okay. I'm like so horrified that I'm admitting this. I've drank that whole bottle once and like, yeah, in, in a day. Like I can As you it. should. Yeah. yeah. It's, oh my gosh. Yeah. We have one of the big bottles of guava in our fridge. Yep. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it is so funny how it's like very specific to like California, but like uh, you go to other states in the US and you're like, what's wrong here? Exactly. Like no, what exactly. happened? <laughs> it's like, that has to be like our agenda where we have to take like GT's kombucha worldwide. Absolutely. <laughs> well, obviously, since you're a Disney adult, I have to ask the very difficult question, Disneyland or Disney World? Okay, since I, you know, grew up next to Disneyland most of my life, I'm going to have to say Disneyland, but I'm going to Disney World tomorrow, you know, so it's I I'm a pass holder for both. And I I love both in very different ways, but I don't think you could ever be Disneyland. I mean, one of the things about Disneyland speaking of SoCal, it's like the food there is so SoCal that I that I think like people who are not from SoCal would be like, what the hell is this? You know, like right now they have, and they had to change the name because a lot of tourists didn't know what the hell it was, um, where it's like this like Mexican snack that's like literally called cochilocos, which is like pork rinds with like yeah. flaming hot Cheetos and like limon juice. <laughs> like, so California. So, yeah. And then it's like, you usually get it in a bag, you know? So they have that right now, like at Disneyland, I think they changed the name something to like, I don't know what, like, I'm going to have to like look later and, and see. So the, the food here is just like iconic. Like it's very, you know, Latino, it's very Korean. It's, I love it, which that's not the case in Orlando. <laughs> um, even though there is a like a Latino population there, but not as big as here. And so many of the international, you know, guests go there. So they need to like, I mean, let's be real. Like there's no other way that I could say this, but they need to blend that up, you know? So, yeah. so it doesn't have the SoCal charm. But one of the things I do love is Epcot Center because it's like their food and wine fest is like pretty much year round. So it's like, I'm just so looking forward to like, I'm going on Friday to Epcot I just can't wait to like go and get buzzed like that that's I've just been like dreaming about <laughs> I love that yeah it's no it's true Disneyland I yeah I went for the very first time last year and um it was it has this like magic that like you can't get anywhere else so mm -hmm. yeah 
it's, it's awesome. Like I, I, and I have, you know, like another really good writing friend who she's also a Disney adult. Um, her name is Bretchen Schreiber. Her debut comes out also through Wednesday next year. Um, Ellie Haycock is, oh yeah, Marvel, which you have to, everybody has to get it on the radar, but yeah, we have like theories on like, you know, why we love Disneyland so much. And I think it's just a safe place to feel that joy and feel it to like a level 10 and like not feel like shame or feel like you have to act serious or grown up, you know? So absolutely. Yeah. Like the world outside pauses while you're in, it's like a bubble. It's yeah. It's, it's mental health. Like (laughs) it really is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, do you have a favorite Disney project show, TV show, short film, whatever it be? Okay, well, my favorite Disney project is actually an immersive thing. So, and it's so sad because it's like, as if this month wasn't hard enough with everything that I had to do. Um, My favorite Disney project is the Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which is like a, like 48 hour, like LARP experience. And it's just the first of its kind. It's freaking awesome. I've done it twice. I'm going again next week. I, again, like I haven't like told anyone because I'm going to surprise some of my friends there. Um, so that's like my favorite because it's, uh, again, it's like, I love the being immersed in a story and like people forget that sometimes that doesn't mean just a book or a movie. It's like, you could go and play in real life. Um, so I love that. Um, uh, but, but it's, it's closing in, in September. So I'm, I'm really bummed about that. Like when the news hit, I literally had friends like texting me to like console me, like as if someone had died because I knew it was like my happy place. Um, and it, it felt awful like the for like the next day it's like yeah I was like crying like it was it was awful but um but I'm glad you know that I got to go and I'm I'm so grateful I'm going again so I would have to say that absolutely do you have uh an upcoming Disney project Disneyland park project movie project whatever Okay, well, if we're going to do projects, I am so excited about Tiana's Bayou Adventure. So that just closed, Splash Mountain closed last night. Um, And so Tiana's is coming in 2025, I think. So I'm just excited that, you know, we get to like, like things evolve at Disneyland. And, and I think that was like, that's one of the things that makes it so magical. Like Walt said that, you know, it was never going to be complete because things keep on changing. And I think that's so exciting. And I want to be like that. Like I, I get bored, you know, if I'm not learning or changing or doing something. So I think just like, yeah, I'm, I'm most excited about, of course, I'm excited about like so many shows. Like I, I'm so excited about Ahsoka, you know, that's coming out um, and or because like Diego Luna is like everything. Like <laughs> I'm so obsessed with him. So yeah, I'm excited for that show, but just like the, yeah, I'm just excited for like the new foods, the seasonal foods and just being there and hanging out. Yeah. It's that's, I'm so excited for that ride. And you're right. Like the fact that it can always evolve and change and they're doing the, uh, the San Francisco on the DCA yeah. side. And yeah, it's like everything. Um, just adding to the magic always, exactly. but I yeah. That. I'm going to have to take you. So it's like the next I time. I know. We're yeah. going gonna, gonna to have to go. But me, I'm like an expert. Who is Ruby as a Disney character? Oh, that is such a good question. And you're the first person that asked me that. And I thought about this like long and hard. I think she's Princess Jasmine. And the reason I think that is because it's like, you know, she, she's like, has again, like this legacy that she's going to like inherit, you know, and she has like a really good relationship with her dad, but there's the dad still, you know, it isn't like 100%, you know, where it ends up like at the end of the movie or at the end of the book. And she just like dreams about being, you know, like in a different world. 
than the one that she's in. But then at the end, she like realizes how to make both work for her in like an authentic way. And, and also they're both brown. They're both cute. So Princess Jasmine. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby and Jasmine would be like besties for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you talked about, you know, your favorite Disneyland experience, a ride you're excited for upcoming. Do you have a current favorite ride? Oh, okay. Yes, I do. I like in DCA, I love Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout just because it's like so (laughs) you can't get on it. You don't like it. I did it one time and I will never go again. No, no. Now that you said that, I'm picking you. (laughs) I'm like picking and streaming. We're getting on that. So that is my, because I just love that feeling and like the music and just everything. It's, it's awesome. And then at Epcot Center, they have a roller coaster version of it, which it's like, oh, if I'm going to have to take you to, it's like, I just need to like adopt you as my son and then take you so we could, we could cross like state lines together. But it's like a roller coaster that's like turns and it's like floating. So, and again, it's like the music. So it's just like incredible. Like both of them, like you feel weightless, but in very different ways. And so I'm just like all about that. Yeah, I, uh, uh, no, I don't know. I did it and like, I, it's really crazy. Like, just like that they can do so much with it. And like, when you stop, like at the DCA one, like where you stop and then like they're there and it's like obviously a screen, but like it's, it feels so legit. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy. I went on with a friend. She's gone billions of times. So she's used to it. Right. But I was like, I probably broke skin on her arm because of how I I literally was floating out of my seat. Wait, so did and since you it was your first time, you didn't know what to expect, right? So we, what you no. just went on and like didn't know what it was. I had no with. idea. Oh my god! Okay, this I have to tell you though. So did there were six tracks? So it's like there were six news. There's six songs. That you oh yeah, play. I heard there was like different. Yeah. Yes, and then so each song though the ride feels a little different based on the song so some are like not as scary and there's some that are even scarier and then oh okay during uh halloween time when we have oogie boogies oh yeah halloween event then they play like metal and then it's like there's more monsters and it's even scarier and that's when i like to go the most because it's like even more intense oh my gosh i i you could not ask me what song they were playing I have no idea so I don't know if I got like the least crazy one or the craziest one but um yeah no but I love that you love it I yeah it's I it's the rides are crazy like how much they can do with it and like visually and um which one did you like the best then I don't I don't know I mean like I loved even though it's like so different um for the DCA side I loved just like the vibes of the Little Mermaid ride um but on the on like the Disneyland side I loved Space Mountain um yeah I don't know it's hard it's a really it's a difficult question did you go on Rise of the Resistance because that would probably be like my second one I did not I have to do that I the lines were like always insane but we have to like commit to it I cried the first time that I got on it (laughs) oh my gosh I yeah I'm I'm excited now is literally the most important question and the most important topic of this entire interview forget Disneyland forget kombucha uh we've talked about how you and I have talked about not on the podcast yet but how I'm David and you're Moira um (laughs) and how I'm your adopted son and no one can say otherwise you know so do you have a favorite Schitt's Creek scene or moment or character or all of those 
Well, okay, my favorite, and we've talked about this, is I just, like, love how extra Moira is and how, like, she's just, like, loves being in her skin and she's just, like, unapologetically her. And I love that. And so it's like, you embody that because it's like, you're, it's like, just like, <laughs> and I won't, I won't say it on this, but I was like, oh, well, I will say it on this. Um, since I'm like, yeah, both of us are open. Like when you were showing me the cake that you made and you were talking about how it's like, you wanted to do your own because there, there was like an, an obscene amount of sugar in like the prepackaged mix and just watching your face when you're doing that. I like told Cindy and my sister, I'm like, he's my son because he's like the even more extra version of me. And I'm like, he's Moira like that that's it and so I and I love that and I was like sort of also jealous because it's like I want to be Moira but I think I'm David because <laughs> really it's like let's be real I'm like yeah I I think I I'm like still figuring out like who I am and I'm way more emotional than I want to admit you know and I need way more nurturing and like cuddling than I would ever want to admit to anyone um so I I think I am David but I want to be Moira so maybe like, yeah, so that's why I, that, that is that. And then as far as the scene, I don't think it could get better than the wedding scene. No, um, obviously. Yeah. Like the exchanging of the vows and, and all of that. Like it, yeah, I, I, I can't watch that and not cry. No, it's impossible. Yeah. So it's like seeing just like the growth, you know, I think David probably did like the most growing on that show all of them grew obviously, but I think for him, it was like very hard to grow. And I think, you know, being like the, you know, this as being like the oldest, like sibling, I feel like we have to like be even like stronger, like this front of being like strong all the time and having, you know, things like figured out. And so it's like hard for us to like, you know, be emotional. So I, I think, I think that like seeing that full character growth was like beautiful. I will gladly take the role as Moira. Um, I'm so honored. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I just need hella wigs and, um, you know, out, oh my gosh, Feathers. that wedding scene, her outfit in the wedding, I, yeah, everything. everything. Do you have a favorite scene? <laughs> oh, I don't know. It's so hard. I, I like try to memorize them because they're so iconic. Um, it's really, really difficult. I mean, I love when she, sadly, when she gets locked in the closet and she's <laughs> trying to get out and I've memorized her lines from that. Um, I love the lice scene when Alexis thinks she has lice and then David's freaking out <laughs> and asking if lice can jump. Um, there's, there's too many. It's, there's too yeah. many. But do oh you, so do you think, do you like Moira the best? Is that who you? Oh yeah, easily, okay, yeah. easily. So, yeah, right. And right. then David, yeah. But I, yeah, we will forever be Moira and David. Yes, we, and, we, we will be. Um, but I want to thank the marvelous, beautiful, fabulous Jessica Pada for joining me on the podcast today. It was such an honor to talk with you. Thank you so much, Gabriel. Thank you for having me. I cannot wait to be on again and we could keep on talking about Disneyland and kombucha. And hopefully at that point, I will have gotten you on um, Mission Breakout one more time and we could talk about that too. Absolutely. And I will be so traumatized. But, <laughs> um, but I just, yeah, it was such an honor. I'd love to have you back on the podcast. We need to start our own podcast. Yes. Like you said, it's there's so much. But uh, where can the listeners find you? 
So listeners can find me at Instagram. I'm at Jessicat. Um, so Jessica with a T, Barra, P-A-R-R-A. And then you can also find me on my website, jessicapara.com. I love that. And uh, everyone, please go check Jessica out if you haven't already. Her book is amazing. She posts very fun Disneyland photos. So um, if you love Disneyland, that's going to be perfect for you. Do you have any like upcoming things or any current just anything that you want to shout out or promote aside from the new release of your book? Yes. So I think this release is probably after I I do this, but I will be at um, Writer's Block with Nina Moreno um, in conversation on June 3rd. And then I will also be at um, Barnes & Noble Summerfest. And I think I'm going to be there July 30th in um, Valencia or Santa Clarita. I don't know if it's not like... If it's like anywhere like north of like Beverly Hills, like I don't know where it is. So, <laughs> um, and w- so I will be there. And yeah, I I'm, I have like several events coming up in the fall to the Latinx Kids Lit Festival, which is going to be like virtual, and then also a lot the LA Public Library Latinx Fest too, which is going to be like in September and October. So I'll I'll have dates. Yeah, for that. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well. Uh, so that's all amazing everyone please go check that out um thank you everyone for tuning in to today's episode of try reading don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast and if you'd like you can write a review or rate the show and you can follow try reading on instagram at try reading podcast and on twitter at try reading 2022 as always you can find this show wherever you get your podcasts and catch new episodes every other friday you can buy books by the try reading authors to the bookshop.org link in the link tree below Hello. And please, please, please read Ruby Ramos's recipe for success. It will not disappoint. Jessica, thank you again so much for just joining me. I've literally had the best time talking with you and I am obsessed with all that you do. And I cannot believe that you were on the show today. It means the world. So thank you so much. Thank you, Gabriel.